Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk a lot about bloat in D&D 5th edition. Are they making too many subclasses, too many feats for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons? And Jordan hates ghosts. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another Saturday in October. We're getting uh, in the middle there, getting close to Halloween. I hope you have your costumes already, or yeah, are you was... one of those people who waits to the last minute? <laughs> I was working on my costume last night as I have a party tonight to go to. So uh, that'll be fun. Uh. Um, an early Halloween party, really early, because it's only the 19th. But uh, I think they were trying to ensure that a bunch of us could go. So mm -hmm. it's one of those mm -hmm. things like, ah, oh, if we just throw it not around Halloween, then all of a, a whole bunch of people mm -hmm. can go. But um, does yeah. Jordan and his family support this new idea I've been hearing going around where we don't attach it to the 31st, but we attach it to like the last Thursday or the last Friday of the month. So it's always right on the weekend. So it's day? on the weekend. Uh, yeah. No. Well, I should say, I don't, I don't know about Jordan's family, um, <laughs> but uh, we'll get trick or treaters on uh on actual halloween so mm -hmm. like we'll do we'll do trick-or-treaters on actual halloween but uh yeah i don't know i didn't know that was a thing i know one year i, I live kind of in a religious community and i know one year halloween fell on a sunday and there was a big split about do we celebrate on saturday or sunday and i think we got trick-or-treaters both nights so i just handed out candy for two nights in a row so mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be helping out at a uh, haunted house that a friend of mine puts on. He he rebuilds his garage and the whole front of his driveway, mm. turns it into a fun little um, haunted house for all the kids in the neighborhood to go through. And uh, we've done it quite a few years. And I always wonder what day he's going to do it on because you're trying to capture when all the kids are going to be out right. versus, you know, everybody changing. Like people are doing like trunk trick or treating or mall trick or treating instead of neighborhood trick or treating. Cause everybody's afraid of that kind of stuff these days. I mean, I was a kid and when the sun went down, it was us boys and girls of the, you know, 12, 13 year old range would just range out throughout the neighborhood. No parents anywhere oh, <laughs> yeah. trigger treating yeah. with, you know, bags of ready for bags of candy. I don't see that as much, you know, anymore. No, it's mostly and, parents walking kids. And I think about it, I lived in a really small town growing up. So that was mm -hmm. just the norm. Like nobody was yeah. worried about anybody because we all knew each other and all the families knew each other. So the kids were just like, it was just running around, but, uh, going, I live in a big city now, or I live in a larger city, and mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, unless you're really in like a cul-de-sac or something, I, I don't know. It's mm -hmm. kind of weird. But I notice a lot of people go to the more uh, expensive or ritzier side of town because they hand out better candy, and so you see a lot of people mm -hmm. running back and forth with that, so... Um, yeah, and Felix is running around like a crazy cat. Uh, this is our Dungeons & Dragons show where we talk about all things role-playing games and uh, our home games that we play and all the news and things that happen with all of that. So, uh, yeah, what's happening in the news, Mr. Lucian? Well, keeping everybody in the kind of the idea of when the release dates are, we've got the October 22nd release date for Tyranny of Dragons. So that what? should be Monday? Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. They always if I release did our on math, Tuesdays, right? I noticed. Yeah, so that should be out. And people, I've seen it, uh, a few people on Twitter uh, kind of showing a picture of it so that they already have it. Um, and then the November 19th release date that we're keeping an eye on is Eberron Rising from the Last War, which we know Jordan's super fan of. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And those of you that are Rick and Morty fans, uh, one of these days I'm going to put it on my, I don't know, you can probably find it on Netflix or Hulu somewhere and I'll watch it, but uh, Dungeons & Dragons vs. Rick and Morty box set should be out also on that day. So some interesting yeah. stuff towards the end. We've been talking about that throughout the, the last few sessions and episodes as we wind down the year. And then uh, that's it for release dates. But I think the big news that everybody was talking about all week long had to have been the new UA article that we got. Yeah. We got another one all of a sudden. 
Yeah, it was, so what did you uh, think of that? Really, cool. no, I thought it was really good. I like um, again. I feel like we're going into a uh, manual of the planes book. Like I think we're gonna get a Xanathar's guide that is like here's like the planes and the different worlds, and then here are some some flavored characters that can do various things in those planes. And maybe I'm wrong because like the Swarm Keeper Ranger kind of fits, um, but I don't know. So we got three new. Um, for the fighter, the ranger, and the thief. And it was the rune knight, the swarm keeper, and the revived. And so the rune knight felt more... Uh, the rune knight, and I should say this after reading it, that's what I was trying to do with my eldritch knight fighter. Mm-hmm. I was reading this and I'm just like, oh, because I wanted to cast enlarge on myself. I wanted to be able to do all these things. And the rune knight physically just like gets large. like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and instead of a... And no concentration... Unlike my rune knight or my uh, eldritch knight that was casting it on myself, um, no concentration and your increased damage is a d6 rather than a d4. So it was just kind of like, oh, that's what I was trying to. Hmm, I'll have to play this rune knight when it actually comes out because <laughs> it seemed really, really cool. Um, but I like the idea of uh, much like warlock invocations, you kind of choose the the various uh what's the i was gonna say paths but not that but like uh, options like side options and then yeah. you can customize your rune knight however you want by actually carving runes on your armor and weapons to do extra effects and i thought that yeah. was really cool um very giant inspired so the hence the like getting large and things like that and it was just mm-hmm. i don't know it was really i think i think i like the revived thief the most thematically but mechanically i think i like the rune knight the most but mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I mean, everything jumped in my head immediately um, because I was just watching Naruto and um, they just, I was just watching an episode where Shino was upset that Naruto had forgotten his name and always seems to forget his name. And Shino in that anime is the one that controls the bugs all around him. So yeah. he can make the insect <laughs> clone. He can, he can do all these cool things. He's actually a really cool character that they always just kind of only bring in every now and then and i was like oh there we go that's the coolest thing in it because it's this idea of a swarm um being able to be controlled and help you and do things or even we've seen cartoons where even superheroes where they use the swarm fist to punch the hero usually it's a villain that has it or something too though and they're fighting against it that's kind of cool i thought it was interesting that it was the ranger that got yeah. the swarm keeper but still we hadn't really seen a ranger thing yet and then the rune night to me whenever i think of runes i always think of the dwarves like there there used to be a lot of these rune masters and rune style stuff because dwarves are in some fantasies associated with creating runes on their stuff and then that empowered their things and so that's where i jumped to my mind but like as you said as i read it it has more of a giant feel to it especially since i played uh storm king's thunder where that's it's all about the ordning. It's all about the all father. It's all about, you know, these different runes that you can pick up and you can put on your weapons. You can actually do that in storm King's thunder. You can get those kinds of things already in the game. So I thought that was kind of cool. And I thought that would be a character I'd want to play. And then I read the revived and I think at first it didn't hit me, but I let it kind of percolate over a few days. And then it started kind of growing on me as I was thinking about it, this idea that, you have these past lives that you're drawing something from and you're drawing something from those that have fallen. Even Mm -hmm. you're almost stealing things from them. So then it just, this feels like they're building an anime dungeons and dragons to me because of the, the wide disparity. I can't think of any single thread that ties all these classes together to say, yep, that's Eberron or yep, that's dark sun for sure. Or yep, that's Spelljammer for sure. You mm-hmm. know, n- none of that has, has leaped into my head and said, that's what this is. It feels like such a wide range of things and characters that you're going to get. And the only other place you get a wide range of characters like that is either like superhero books or anime, right? Those are the only two places that you just have these kinds of crazy characters. I'm just like, do they have another deal in the works? Do they have another, you know, something going on that we don't know? I don't think is it's it another be a new Magic the Gathering? Setting, but maybe a Magic the Gathering tie-in again. I don't know, that could be. But yeah. like, I don't know. Like they they very specifically said that the Swarm Ranger has like face spirits that do what he needs them to do. And it can like elevate, mm-hmm. like and a whole myriad of possibilities. Like you can fly, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. um, and uh, mage hand move things mage around. Hand. And so you can do a lot of cool things with it, but it was still fae spirits. So it made me think of a fae wild ranger. And the um, 
the revived thief really feels like a uh, Shadowfell thief that kind of comes back. So that's why I'm still going with my manual of the yeah, planes. But I see we'll it. see. We'll <laughs> see. I really, thematically, I really like the revived thief, and I like that you can, like, I think it was during a short or a long rest, like, you can recall a past life and then gain. Um, a, uh, a proficiency in a skill that you didn't have mm -hmm. before. And so I like that idea of like, like much like how a wizard will um, pick their spells for the day. I like that this revised, this, the revived thief, sorry, not revised, but revived thief can actually like, oh, I'm going into town. I might want persuasion or like, oh, I'm going into a dungeon. I might want lock picking or something like that. And, and so mm -hmm. at, you're prepping your character for the scenario you're about to go into. And um, there's something really attractive about that to me, because I, I, again, with the wizard, I like that. Like when I'm a wizard, and I'm going into town, I'm prepping more charms and less fireballs. But when I'm going into, you know, combat or something else, you're prepping more offensive spells and I, I think that's mm -hmm. uh, really cool. So it's a thief that I would really like to play. I don't know. Yeah. I also thought these were um, three subclasses that could have fit almost in any subclass. Like you could have said Rune Knight was a Paladin subclass. Or oh, you yeah. could have said Rune Knight was a Ranger subclass. Swarmkeeper could have been Sorcerer subclass or Wizard subclass or any of those. Yeah. And even or Revived <laughs> doesn't need to be tied to Thief. Could be Monk, could be, yeah. could be Ranger, could be any of these things. So it's interesting that these subraces don't feel like they're tied to the class as much as I've seen some of the other ones where you think, oh, that's a no-brainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously that would be part of that class. But um, it's interesting, and they're definitely different. They're not ones I thought they were going to be coming out with. Um, being able to change you know, your skills and stuff, I think I would love to see how that plays out because I know most players are about damage totals and they're good yeah. ac and their armor well and you should say to most players and... but like there are there are a lot of people that play like that so <laughs> yeah yeah i would say a larger number of players like every all the players i've played with are always keen on what their damage dice roll is or mm -hmm. what they're going to be able to do they're thinking about it in the combat whereas i felt like the revived had a lot more utility outside of combat yeah. which is good but those characters don't seem to become the popular ones. They don't become the one that everybody's playing. They're, yeah. they're ones that a few people play here and there. And it's so got it'll that be ranged, ranged uh, uh, sneak attack with the necrotic energy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I, when I was thinking, I'm like, that's so cool. And I guess it's cool that it's necrotic energy. But at the same time, I was like, rangers can get ranged attacks with like a crossbow or a bow and arrow or something like that. So like mm -hmm. the ranged aspect wasn't that attractive, I guess, because you can mm -hmm. do that with a regular weapon. Um, yeah, well, yeah, but, it was more thematic. Yeah, um, but it was still sure. really interesting, and I don't know, I I really liked it. It reminded me of, and this might have actually, this is probably um, a homebrew that I read a long time ago. But for three point five, somebody made a race called Graveborn, and it mm. was this idea that you you wake up in a grave and you don't remember your past life. Other people might like remember you as you were but like you now you're now starting a new life as this creature that came out of this grave you're not undead but you're like a, a weird like hybrid or something or it's like a second chance at life uh mm -hmm. but you don't remember your past life and and they were called graveborn and i just remember thinking that that was that was like a really cool race i thought was interesting yeah that sounds and cool this, i'd play that this thief is very much similar to that where mm -hmm. you're you yeah you're a revived thief and stuff so I don't know. I I have we gotten UAs for all of the classes now? Are there any classes yeah. that are left? Yep, that was the big thing that they said now every class has a a UA article out on it right now. So somebody was saying, "All right, give us our book now that you put all this out." And I was like, "I think most of these are all still in the stages of them tweaking and fine tuning. I think this was our first look at them. Um could we get a book next year? Could it be the first book of 2020?" Maybe, or will it be an adventure book of 20? Before I, before you answer that, because that's almost jumping off topic, I did want to say I think my favorite subclasses that they've been putting out is similar to the Rune Knight where you get options to yeah. choose from. So like at third level, you get to choose a couple of, these are the runes you can do, or these are the things you can do. Or just like, you know, I think more subclasses should be like that. So that even if me and you are playing the same Ranger, mm -hmm. Swarmkeeper, but we've got options at different levels and maybe we're picking those different options that we would still be different. In that yeah, so no, I like those ones that give us that option. Like you can have 
and again, going back to the warlock, I really think the warlock was designed really well like that because you could have yeah. two warlocks that are both like Pact of the Blade, but they have very different um, outside of, of, of combat mechanics or even in combat mechanics. One can see in the dark, the other can detect magic at will and, and mm -hmm. things like that. And so you, I like options that allow me to take a character and make it thematically fit with things and usually you can do that with feats but like i always gravitate towards the warlock because i can do that like i want to say yeah. that you know i uh gave up my eyeballs to my patron in order for him to give me power but in return i can see even though i don't have eyeballs anymore i can see in the dark out to 60 feet mm -hmm. or see through magical darkness or things like that and so that yeah. there's the trade-off and i really like being able to have those tools to make my thematic character work and the mm -hmm. rune knight felt like that where I could, yep. you know, select this fire thing that chained people down and I could I could thematically make it like a fiend or something or or a plane of fire or all this other stuff. Um, or even I I don't know, like re reflavor it how you can do a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. And all and the wizard, you know, you have two conjuration wizards, they're different just because of the spells they choose. Um, so there's that aspect of it, but you're right, right. Like a swashbuckler thief and a swashbuckler thief, uh, aside from the weapon choice they have, they're, they're very similar, you know? Yeah. So, yep. so I think, I, I hope they lean more into that because I think we're in the age now. I think when you put out the new system, like D and D five E, you have to have a, uh, you have to start kind of narrow just so that everybody can learn the rules mm -hmm. and then start dealing with all the options. But now we're five years, six years into it. We're all pretty good with the rules. We know how to teach it to new people as they come in. The books are refined enough to be able to help people who are new to it. Now we're expanding on options. We're starting to get into that area where there's just a ton of options for us all to, to go ahead and start choosing. We love that. We love to be able to customize our character so much that there's, there's millions of new characters in my mind right now, even though I had a couple of hundred before these types of subclasses mm -hmm. in the last month that we got, now I have you know, multiply that again by another hundred or 200 or whatever it might be. Some crazy number of, mm -hmm. oh, I want to play this character. Now I want to play this <laughs> character. I want to play this character. So it's cool to keep seeing them come out. I can't wait to see when the book. So now going back to that question, I didn't let you answer. Do you think this is for a book first thing 2020? Or do you think 2020 is started off with a campaign book and then a supplement book or a monster book or a subclass book like a Xanathar's? Do we get a Baldur's Gate than a Xanathar's or do we get a Xanathar's and then whatever the next Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus is or whatever? Well, I was trying to think about that because uh, previously we don't really get books published in like January or February, right? And so mm -hmm. it's going to be like March or April that they have their D&D live event in California, I assume. And that's where they'll announce things. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe even later. I don't remember uh, exactly. Well, I think they will announce it like a couple of weeks leading up to it, but that live event will be showing off that thing. Right. And then with Tomb of Annihilation, they announced Tomb of Annihilation, and then they announced Xanathar's like a couple of days later. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to be something like that. Like, here's our new adventure, and plus uh, here's going to be a whole bunch of, of tie-in character classes that tie into so you can play that cool Feywild barbarian etc um mm -hmm. but yeah we won't get it and when you say 2020 i always think like oh we're gonna get something in january but that's not we're not gonna get anything <laughs> in january it'll like the earliest product uh victor says uh the earliest product he thinks that we got is in march that might be like the sure. earliest so but what will be the first one um i think it'll be an adventure combo with adventure this. yeah yeah Oh, you think these classes will be inside that? You no, think I don't think they'll be world? in the adventure. I think we'll get an adventure book and a Xanathar's, just like we did earlier with Tomb of oh, Annihilation. An announcement of the yeah, next one. Yeah, I think gotcha, it'll gotcha. be. I don't think it'll be both. So we'll see. Cool. All right. um, they just released. I don't know. It's hard to talk about new adventures with Avernus just being released. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Now, do you think we're getting too too many options? Like. Like, you know, third edition where it was like feats for days and, and all this yep, other stuff yep. and prestige classes and things like that. Like, is this is this just becoming is this becoming a problem? Because ironically, this is what people want, but it also really bloats up the game. Yes. And then people find, you know, if I subclass into this and I borrow this and I do X, Y and Z, all of a sudden that's how we get broken characters and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you talk about your, 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 you know, the people you play with are very crunchy and they look for the highest number of damage or the highest mm-hmm. heals they can possibly get. So is this, are we, are we treading into a problematic area with fifth edition? Yeah. I think I want to say personally, I love it. And this is exactly <laughs> what I want. And it's like, it's like the addict asking for another part of whatever drug they have that you're giving out that I get because I love more and more and more options. But if I were to sit back and be objective about it, we are definitely creeping up on the bloating of the system, which is really what led three Dungeons and Dragons three into Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 and then started to lean into the complaint that Nobody wants to play Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 anymore. Let's play these other games because they're easier because all of a sudden 3.5 had 25 different books that you had all these rules and all the stuff and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it became overwhelming for anybody that was brand new. It never fe- feels overwhelming for those of us that have been in it from the beginning of the ride. You know, so like we're, we're like, oh yeah, we get more stuff because we're playing it every single day or at least once a week, most of us are playing one, if not two games. I can't believe the number of people I know right now that are playing more than one game in a week, which I had never heard of before. And nowadays, because they can find them online and they've got a home group and they can do all this stuff, they're able to, to get in more than that conventions and all that. But I think we are approaching, this is the beginning of the bloat. And yeah. I think that's the beginning of the problem of new players coming into the the hobby but i love it man i love making new characters and i love new campaign settings and i love new rules to think about and i love let's you know come up with more grappling stuff or come up mm-hmm. with more feats like give me 55 more feats for us to choose from give me 20 more races you know whatever it might be so i i don't know what do you think are we is it too bloated is it about to be bloated is it I not think, no no big deal i think it's currently hailing outside so that's concerning oh, for me there you go <laughs> but, is your dog outside? sorry i'm just like no they're not outside but i looked out the window and i'm like oh my gosh like it is crazy so hopefully my internet is fine um i i like options and i think i mean dungeons and dragons they were very smart and they said like you will only ever need the player's handbook, the monster manual, and the dungeon master's guide to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been very like key to that um, mm-hmm. and, and sticking with that very hard. And so I think, you know, those, those options will always be there for new players, but like, you're right. The, the, the power gamers, the other people that are interested in this, um, I don't, and personally, I don't know where the line is. Like, where is it where it's just like, okay, you guys, you're giving us like, we've got, you know, 12 different monk subclasses now. This is, you know, and I can change, I can alter my monk with my rune knight fighter and I can put runes on my fist. And this is just getting ridiculous. And like a character creation is is going from like a 30 minute to an hour long thing is now becoming like an all day event to like create a character because even mm-hmm. new players will sit down often and be like, well, I want to know what my options are because they don't know what to play. And then they'll sit down and just be like, well, here's your like kajillion amounts of options. Um, and that can be, well, that was too much. So the right, it's coming down so hard outside. So the, the right person could, um, the right DM could just be like, hey, you're a new player. Let's stick with this book you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of the direction maybe the community needs to go as opposed to, uh, the more like power gamer people. But, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's not up to wizards of the coast. That ups, that's up to the dungeon master and the players to do, you know, right. to, to, to rein sort in of. and say, don't look at Xanathar's guide. Don't look at this new thing. Um, but also Xanathar's came out like, I want to say two years ago. Yeah, 2017, end of 2016, they announced it. I think something like that. Um, So with that, then it's only been two years and we're now only, I mean, they're not doing this every year, giving us new options. Yes, we're getting new backgrounds and adventures and we're getting new, um, not even new feats. We haven't really gotten new races every year, but new races. We're getting a lot of new races, but that doesn't seem to really break the game. Um, That's just like a way to flavor your character, you know, but mm-hmm. class options are what are what really seems bloated. So I don't know, but you're right. We do have a lot of races. So I don't know where the line is. I guess that's my point. Um, but I am excited for new options because that makes it 
more crunchy for Jordan. And I like the idea mm -hmm. of like going in and, and, and fine tuning a, a character um, and creating a thematic character. You know, I can finally have this Feywild barbarian that I've always wanted to play and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Victor, thank you. It's, he says it released in uh, November, 2017. So yeah. So I see the, the problem I see the most is they, they have done a really good job of saying you only need the three books to play and they're adamant about that. The problem I see that's out of their hands is when people start to go and try to find Dungeons and Dragons, right now they're going to find other people that are playing it. And right mm -hmm. now, if other people are playing it and they're playing all these crazy characters and they're wondering, well, how could you play this monk that could do that? That's what I want to do because I saw it played on Critical Role. I think that's cool. Oh, wait, that's a Xanathar's Guide thing. I don't even know what Xanathar's Guide thing is or, or it's this new book thing. I don't know what that new book thing is but they want to play what they've already seen. So the problem is the people now that it's going to be us that are streaming it and showing it to the world and letting our characters play all these kind of crazy. They're like, I saw somebody play a Loxodon. What do you mean? I can't play a Loxodon. You know, yeah. th this sounds really cool to me. So you almost can't not give them options because they're new and you want to encourage their excitement and whatever that thing that that hook was, they, they were like, I found out you could play a, a cat person. I think it's called a tabaxi. I want to play this thing. I want to teach me Dungeons and Dragons. Now you're like, that sorry, I know there's that no tabaxis tabaxi. in Eberron. Sorry, we got to so... stick with the, yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel that's the, the give and take. What's being played is going to show to people who are new and say, oh, you know what? I might want to try this. But then when I go to try it, they're saying, no, this is, you got to play this set because it's, it's much bare down for your sake because you won't be able to figure it out. But they're like, but I'm so excited about being a changeling, you know? So here's the thing, like, and I've heard this argument before is that people will say, like, I really want to play a tabaxi, like super bad. Like, this is what I want to do. And I want to be a cat person. And then um, rather than, and say like, well, there's no tabaxis in my uh, world. Well, don't just be like, well, you can't play a tabaxi. I think you need, mm -hmm. as a dungeon master, you need to go to the player and say, what is it about a tabaxi that you really like? And they'll be like, well, uh, I, I want to be, on. I just want to be a cat. And it's like, well, what about a cat? What is it that you want? And some of them might be like, I like the idea that I can climb walls. Or some of them yeah. might say, I like that um, I have, I like, I just want to be a cat or something like that. Or with a changeling, it's like, I like the idea that I can change my face. And it's like, okay, well, how about we say, you know, you're, you're a tabaxi, but we're going to give you human stats or something but you have a cattail and then, Oh, that all I wanted was a cattail. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, or we'll make you a tiefling with a tail or something like that. Like, yeah, there's ways around it and there's compromises that can be made. But as a dungeon master, if you're, if you are restricting those classes, you just need to ask like, well, what do you, what do you like about being a Loxodon? Well, I like that I have this like nose that can cast magic or something or hold a wand. And it's like, okay, like, well, what if we say you're some kind of mutant human from the Mornland and you've got, you've got three arms and it's like, oh, all right. Like, I kind of like that. So I don't know, like, I, there's not a right a right or wrong answer but i feel like uh we're i don't know is it's not a bigger it's not as big a problem as you are making it out to be is that a way no to put it? i i don't think it i don't think it is at the moment but it could become that way oh okay just you know, it, if all of a sudden they're saying stuff. i like this class what if they come out with a couple of new classes and they're like, oh, I saw this guy playing a, I want to play an artificer. a new summoner it's like, or an well, artificer yeah. or, oh, that's so cool. They could make their own little turret and they could do these little cool things. That's the thing I want to do. Yeah. So I think it's it's naive to say they could, you're only going to let, you know, this player do this and you're going to let everybody else at the table do other things too. Because I've kind of seen that idea where, well, we'll just let the new player pick from here. I think it's up to us for those of us that are bringing somebody new into the game. We just got to roll with it. We've got to roll with their enthusiasm and we just got to help them along. The idea that everybody at the table helps another person learn the rules and learn the class and learn the race they're playing, pitch in. Don't make it just the dungeon master's job to teach mm -hmm. you know, that person their stuff, but then lean into their enthusiasm. If they're super enthusiastic about, I want to play a Warforged in Forgotten Realms in your Forgotten Realms campaign, like you said, don't just back off and say, sorry, there's no Warforged in my campaign. Yeah. Pick something else. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Lean into it. Let them play a Warforged artificer who likes to make toys that go and battle for them. If that's going to get them excited and make them come every single week to your table, then just do it. You mm -hmm. know, there's no reason not to, to stamp that down 
at that point. So yeah. to me, I think there's going to be a lot of options. I think there's a point where we hit power creep where the things they're creating are better. I know Skull Dixon had mentioned that before too, yeah. where the subclasses are deemed as being better than the subclasses that came before. And the Ranger so now, is a perfect example of that. Like, yeah. I think Xanathar's fixed a lot of the Ranger problems. And so it's kind of like, well, why would I play a regular Ranger when I can play these fun Xanathar Underdark Rangers and things like that? Yeah, so, so you gotta cool be careful. And, and I know they are being careful. I'm sure they're very thoughtful on these types of things, but the more product you put out, I mean, how many books are we up to? My shelf is filling up. Another yeah. two years, it's going to double in size, and that's going to be the fifth edition. And I'm sure we're nowhere close to them saying, hey, guys, ready to start playtesting sixth edition and start all over? I don't think we're anywhere near that. Yeah. I think we're years away from more and more and more fifth edition books. So yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, Pathfinder, you saw how big that book is, and it's because of all the options and all the stuff that's in there, and Pathfinder's known for options and options books and they people claim it to be their money. a tougher game like they yeah. they were like here's more feats here's more this this is what you're looking yeah. for in it and and i will admit pathfinder seems super overwhelming to me like i i look at those books and i'm just like okay or they'll will have humble bundles where all this mm -hmm. uh like you can get every pathfinder book for like a hundred dollars and it's a great deal, but then I'm just like, I don't have time to go through like 40 PDFs to make a character. It just seems like they need a D&D &D Beyond or something where I can like see character options as I'm building. I don't know. It's just like, it seems yeah. really overwhelming, but I don't know. So it's exciting. I mean, I love it from the player standpoint and the Dungeon Master standpoint and all my friends that I'm playing with are all veterans of fifth edition at this point. I feel like I'm really good at bringing somebody brand new into fifth edition. I understand how to make it not overwhelming for them, but make it a great experience for them and mm -hmm. they can enjoy it. So I'm still good with that. Um, it's a good time. Dungeons and Dragons. I just saw somebody say, it might've been on Twitter. And it was that Dungeons and Dragons is the Fortnite of tabletop role-playing games. It's like this <laughs> enormous juggernaut compared to everybody else that's out there and as you can hate Fortnite all you want you can hate the game all you want but the popularity is through the roof yeah that's what dungeons and dragons is oh it was adam Cobol talking about you want to stream games on your channel you have to do a dungeons and dragons game because that's where the audience is yeah, yeah I, I realize you want to play D &D. burning wheel or kids on bikes and i'm not telling you not to but if you want to have a channel well, you better do it no, and, and it was just last night i was streaming <clears throat> on my youtube channel and i'm like guys i want to do a kids on bikes game and a bunch of people were just like what is this like is it are you are you playing D, &D but they're they're kids on bikes and i was like no it's like mm -hmm. a separate role-playing game and i had to explain it that i was just like oh like I, I'm so immersed in this world that it, it, I forget sometimes that people don't, don't seek out other RPGs, you know, or like know that there's think. anything that exists but D and D because it's well, I wouldn't go that. Far, it's like Ziploc yeah. bags or or Kleenex, uh, Kleenex tissues, tissue, yeah, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons role playing game. Yeah, it's the oh, there's thing. other Dungeons and Dragons games. No, there's other role playing games. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking yeah. of that, really quick, I don't know if you watched the or listened to the Adventure Zone. But somebody in chat reminded me that uh, they started playing D&D &D, um, on their podcast, The Adventure Zone, and then they stopped to play uh, Monster of the Week, which was mm -hmm. a really cool arc. And yeah. now, and so then they kind of, they, they shunned their D&D, &D, the people that love D&D &D, to play these like indie games. And so all these indie people kind of flock to them and they're like, oh, they're playing this. Now they're going back to Dungeons and Dragons and these indie people are upset that they're like, oh, you're becoming another D&D &D show. Uh, and I don't know how upset the community is. I'm just excited for more Adventure Zone because I really enjoy the Adventure Zone and the McElroy brothers, but uh, it's, it's interesting to see. They're definitely different people. communities. Yeah. Yeah. The OSR community is a mm -hmm. big community and it's different than the Dungeons and Dragons community. The Dungeons and Dragons community is big, uh, enormous, yeah. but then you still have like the, the cipher system and Monty Cook and Numenera group. That's all kind of its own little community. Um, all indie, indie yeah. RPGs have its community. And so it's interesting. And I would even argue that together. like critical role has their own community. Oh God. Yeah. Like pe there are people that will watch critical role that won't listen to the adventure zone or won't watch yeah. Adam Coble stream D and D or something like that, because it's yeah. just like, well, but no, I watched this. And it's like, well, this is also dungeons and dragons. You're like, yeah, but it's not critical role. So, you know, there's like niches yeah. within niches all over the place in this community. So mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so that's good. So that was pretty much the big news. We know a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter. I feel like that UA article had a favorable uh, re- reception from everybody, mm-hmm. whereas a couple of them have been, oh, I don't know, maybe they only liked one thing, but they yeah. didn't like the other two things or you know what it was. But this one felt like everybody had a pretty good positive reception to the whole thing as a whole. And now we'll have to see what they are. And just as a reminder, none of the classes, subclasses that have been released in a UA article have ever made it exactly the same into the book. It's very, always yeah, been tweaked cool. in some way before it made it to Xanathar's Guide, which was the last big glut of subclasses that we've had. This will be the same. They'll be similar. There'll be tweaks, but there will definitely be some changes to the to the whatever. So if you feel like it's too powerful right now, you'll be able to put that in and comment on that, and maybe they'll back it down a little bit for some of it. So, But we'll have to see. I'm excited. I can't wait for another book. I like it. The thing I think they're missing at this point, why don't we have more books of spells? God, I can't believe there's not a lot more spells to choose from. And I feel like there should be a a bigger amount of feats or things you can choose that are not class and race based, Mm -hmm. but can be added to your character to further fine tune them and give them an identity different than other characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And feats is one way to do that. Um, But there are probably many ways that they could tackle that to give more customizing features that just allow more of an identity so that we're not all playing cookie cutter stuff. Well, they're kind Um, of doing that with backgrounds, um, but you're right. Like, like feats would be cool. Um, It's funny that you mentioned spells because you're absolutely right. I literally bought an OSR book that is compatible with Dungeons and Dragons fifth editions, but it is a book Mm -hmm. of 666 spells. So like lots of different really cool funny spells and i and i use that book when i want to drop magic on my party that they're not familiar with because they are familiar (laughs) with the regular spells in the game so it's kind of fun but uh but yeah like is that another problem where oh god yeah you know i mean now you're (laughs) bloating up with like all these spells and things like that and 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 a lot of those spells seem redundant where it's just like we've got a spell called shadow blade well i've got a spell called sand blade and they literally do the same thing it's just one's made out of shadow and one's made out of sand and it's like, mm-hmm. did we really need two spells for that? You know, you mm-hmm. could reflavor the Shadow Blade to do what you want it to do and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I think, well, yeah, we, we've talked about it enough, but they're they're obviously being cautious with what they're releasing. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are new spells added with these new classes, just like Xanathar's was. So, Right. Or even a cut, like, they are so much into the class-based spells or what they are there's a lot of RPGs that came out in the eighties and nineties that were more about you. Everything was customizable and you built parts of it to build the thing you wanted. So you were building the spell you wanted. So you decided like you took a part that had to deal with the range. You took a part that had to do with the damage you wanted. You took a part with how much it costs to do it. And all those things put together was the spell you wanted, or you did a skills based character instead of a class based character. It was like the big fight between class Mm -hmm. and skills based. And so it, it mattered what you did is what you were not. Hey, I took fighter at first level is what I am. Um, so I'm wondering if we're about to swing back into that because the skills based systems and all those ones that customizing systems where you could just customize to the nth degree came after everybody kind of got tired of just having to pick a class that didn't quite match the thing they wanted to do. It was close and they reflavored it to seem like it was the thing they wanted, but it wasn't really the thing they wanted. Right. So then these other systems said, well, we can capitalize on that need. We'll build these ones. And then that fell out of, you know, um, favor and then class-based stuff came back again you know so i wonder if we're in that cycle where that's going to happen so it's interesting it's cool that we could talk all day about yeah, you know what they might do in dungeons and dragons <laughs> and the new the next book that they were going to do because it's so fun to, to speculate but other than that um any other news that you saw i didn't see too much other news wise i think that kind of dominated everything as far as i could see i was busy this week too though i ran a i ran a dungeon crawl classics game and and D and i took a cpr class and mm-hmm. so friday and then i streamed on friday so i have not been and, and then work has been busy so like i we might have super missed 
some news, but we'll catch it next yeah. week. <laughs> Hopefully nothing big. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on to our next uh, segment created by Lucian on the spot last week in front of him. And then Jordan didn't have any time to, to think about it except the five minutes before he, he sprung it on him. But it's our influencer campaign adventure idea. I think somebody said we should call it bardic inspiration segment <laughs> and this is our segment where we talk about something that happened last week that inspired us to think about a new campaign or something new to add to one of our games as dungeon masters so something we did or something we saw sparked this idea this nugget this little this little kernel <laughs> of something so mine was um i started the second book in dungeoneers 2 which was my last week's thing, but this one's called Black Fog Island. And it is so Secrets of Salt Marsh or Ghosts of Salt Marsh, it's crazy. So if you're running that adventure and you're you're in the middle and you're looking for some filler to maybe get your characters from level five to level six, or you're you're trying to come up with how can I continue it without going to one of the other um, campaigns because you're like I love this whole sea going thing the pirates and the islands and the stuff I don't want to jump out of that and go to Baldur's Gate I want to keep doing this you might read that book which is uh, Black Fog Island Dungeoneers uh, look it up by I think the Russell is the last name of the author it is a really good um, swashbuckling adventure to give you some ideas of what you could do for your players what kind of cool adventures you could you could send at them or even some cool monsters and things that these these guys are fighting that they have to deal with to um to just as a as a kernel or a nugget for a new adventure and then the other thing i came up with um i was listening to adam Koble's uh office hours where he takes three questions from his community and they ask him something about a role-playing game many times about dungeons and dragons but not always about dungeons and dragons and he was talking about the idea of one one-on-one -on -one Dungeons and Dragons. So just two-player Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. And if is Dungeons and Dragons the right system to do that, or should you use a different system? Um, and Adam had his own opinion. I definitely recommend you go out and listen to it. But what it struck to me as I was listening to it, I thought, yeah, wait a minute. <clears throat> he was coming at it from an area where you might say, well, I'm really into this hobby. And I might want to say, hey, significant other or person that cohabitates in my house, do you want to try this thing? I could teach you how to play it, and then we could play it. It could be a fun thing with us. But Dungeons & Dragons isn't necessarily a two-player game mm -hmm. for the most part. <clears throat> now, people have done it, and people can do it, and the box set essentials has claimed that you can do it. Um, but I wonder if instead of being I'm the Dungeon Master and you're the adventurer, um dynamic could it be we are both adventure dynamics and still play dungeons and dragons so a gm-less dungeons and dragons game so i wanted to throw that out there to all our players the idea of <clears throat> could we create dungeons and dragons fifth edition that has a gm-less mechanic to it to allow me and my significant other just me and jordan to say hey i don't want to be the gm and you're the player and i'm Maybe we just both want to, you want to play your Eldritch Knight and I want to play my Barbarian. And I think it'd be cool if me and you could go on out on the Jordan and Lucian adventures and the GM could be some mechanic thing that's going on. I thought that'd be cool. So what do you, what do you think? I was going to throw that out there. So you can either comment on those, Jordan, or you can just say, here are my inspirations to throw out to the world you uh, take it away no i i don't for fifth edition i don't think it works to have a gm list it system might not so i really don't and you can try and come up with something but there's always somebody that has to like adjudicate something um and that's specifically for fifth edition now for fourth edition they did make those gm list board games like uh mm -hmm. i'm trying to think legend of dritz i think was one of them and uh, I don't know. There was a Strahd one, um, and there was uh, a Dragon Tomb one. Tomb of Annihilation. And Tomb of Annihilation one. And, and I have two of those, and they are fun. But it, as you're playing, you're handed cards, and and so I'm playing my character, but then I also have to play these monsters that are attacking my friends. So that's how it works is that, and then you shuffle a map to, to not know where you're going and things like that. Um, and even those games that I have played, I remember thinking this would be so much more fun 
if I was running all of the monsters for my friends and they could just focus on their characters and Jordan could control the monsters and we could play like that. But then you can't have Jordan wins, you know, or the monsters win. And so it's got, or I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't think that fifth edition works well without it for, to be GM less. And I don't know if there's a, a game out there that really does that well. Um, I could be wrong or a role-playing game, I should say, other than, uh, the almighty computer game where then you do have something that's like controlling the monsters and rolling things for you and stuff. Right. Which is what a lot of people have done. If they want to play a game with their significant other, they're going to jump into a world of Warcraft or an EverQuest or uh, all these other MMORPGs, which is really what the popularity was because you didn't need the GM and you didn't need a table Mm -hmm. for everybody to get at. They could just sign in and play together. So I wonder there's, there's definitely a want, for people to be able to do that. And I think it'd be cool for me and you to be able to play a game where, where something was driving. We did it a little bit with um, when we were at Gen Con and we played that Marvel game where we would put the villain out yeah. and then it had schemes that would happen. And we had the villain, the other uh, underlings that we were fighting and we were picking our heroes and doing things. There was a little bit of that because me and you were playing together and trying to beat the bad guy. It wasn't, one of us being the dungeon master and the storyteller trying to, you know, play it out. So I, I wonder, I, I agree. It's well, hard. I mean, there's like, uh, I, <laughs> I haven't played Gloomhaven, but they said Gloomhaven in chat. And that makes mm-hmm. sense to me because it is kind of like an RPG esque system where, but you're following a story and, and mechanics and stuff. But even uh, my favorite board game, which is uh, betrayal uh, house on the Hill. Oh, yeah. Same thing. Like we're playing together, but is that, is that a role-playing game? Like, is that, I mean, if you want to just play a game with your friends, you can do that. But I don't mm-hmm. think you can play fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons without a dungeon master because you're not going to get that. Challenge, sir. Okay. Challenge. I'm doing it now. No, I'm Figure it out. Prove <laughs> yeah. me wrong. He's like, do it. <laughs> so, I, I agree. Know. I think you're right. I, I don't want you to be right, I guess is what it is. I mm. don't want you to be right, Jordan. I want to be right myself. <laughs> uh, and then to wrap up this, we're going sure, really sure. long, but like... Uh, <laughs> I was driving past um, a corn maze funhouse autumn thing that mm-hmm. uh, is is next. It's over. Well, you don't know where I live, but it's over there. And uh, as I was driving past that, I was like, that would be. And I've been thinking a lot about kids on bikes lately and how I want to run a game. Mm-hmm. But just just like a, a funhouse, oh, you know, or or a creepy old carnival or something like that. And you mm-hmm. can have your dungeon ma- dun- or your Dungeons and Dragons players run through something like that. But for a kids on bikes game, it's even better because um, they're just like, what's going on in this abandoned carnival or this like broken down funhouse or maybe the monster they're chasing runs into a funhouse and then they have to go through all of that like that mini dungeon inside the funhouse to like get things out. So uh, for sure, like I, I w- that's what I was inspired about this, cool. this yeah, week I, is and, and it's, it's got me thinking time. a lot about yeah and it's got me thinking a lot about this uh this uh halloween kids on bikes game that i'm trying to get going um because and we did it last year and then i want to do it every year i think it's just make it a halloween tradition that i play kids on bikes because it's so, yeah. fun, so fun or even that just that idea that your your adventure party is in forgotten realms and it's that time of year that there's a festival happening at a town they just thought they were going to be passing yeah. through but they see that kind of thing that you're talking about that you just drove by and they're like well, what is this what's going on here what are these people doing you know and all of a sudden they get sucked into something that's going on is it nefarious is something yeah. happening is it not you know who knows so very interesting yeah cool so all of you that are out there go ahead and in the comments on when we post this on i believe it's on monday you get to see uh, on the youtube if you had to rewatch it go ahead and tell us about your inspirations over the last week tell us what kind of thing popped up in your mind that said oh i might make a new campaign on this or oh i'm thinking about this new mechanic or any of those kinds of things to generate that conversation but other than that then we kind of move into our final segment which is what did Jordan and Lucian do in their role-playing games for last week and we talk about our playing and our um, dungeon mastering and our game mastering whatever it might have been I'll let Jordan go first this week so Jordan how did your role-playing games week go it sounded busy it was really busy Um, so I played acquisitions incorporated which was a lot of fun Um, and the I was on Twitter talking about this but the takeaway from that is I don't like ghosts 
We were in an area where we had to fight a ghost and we don't have a cleric with us. Our healer is more of a druid or is a druid, not more of, but uh, ghosts have this ability where they possess you. And then unless you have turn undead or dispel good and evil, you can't get the ghost out of the person and there's no extra save for the person to be like, ah, oh, I'm fighting the possession or something like that. Like there's no, like I wanted to, I wanted another mechanic to be able to, to get the ghost out of the person. But the only way we could do is bring that person to zero hit points and then the ghost leaves. So um, <laughs> if you go follow me on Twitter, there's like a really good conversation with a lot of people about how they were like, you should have done X, Y, and Z or something like that. But ultimately I don't like that monster. I just want, I want, if, if a ghost possesses a party member, I want another party member to be able to f sacrifice their action, like a slap to the face or shaking them or doing something that would allow the player to have another charisma saving throw to expel the, the, the ghost. And because there isn't that, it's just like, well, now we have to, we have to like hurt you. And it seems like the entire combat is on hold until we take this guy down to zero hit points, then we can play the fight again. And so it was kind of, I don't know, it was just a, a, a moment of, I've run into this before where I fought ghosts. I've even used ghosts at my table. And I'm just like, I don't like this monster. I don't like <laughs> the mechanics of it, but that's me. Um, played a really fun game of Dungeon Crawl Classics where uh, I forget the name of the module off the top of my head, but um, I think it's like Lost in Time or something. But uh, the adventurers were hired to explore um, an area full of ice devils. And they're very confused. Like these primitive barbarian natives up in the ice, ice north are like, we want you to take care of these ice devils. And going through, it turns out that they're in a time traveler's like spaceship. So there are all these weird things. Like there's dinosaurs, there's robots, there's a microwave, there's all this other stuff. <laughs> but the joy of that module is I have to describe things as if they were medieval peasants so it was a lot of like you see like a giant lizard looking creature with really short stubby front arms but huge muscular legs and sharp teeth and they have to be like okay what are we is it a tyrannosaurus rex and you're like oh good or you <laughs> see a weird suit of armor that has um pincers at the end of it and like a glass fishbowl helmet and that was the robot that they had to fight and so there was a lot of like uh it was a lot of weird descriptions that my players had a lot of time or a lot of fun figuring out. And I think the, the best one is when they figured out that there was a microwave and they were, they were playing around with this weird magical treasure chest box and they couldn't figure out what it did. And it dings every once in a while. And then when they finally put it together, like, Oh, is that there? Oh, damn it. That's a, that's a microwave, Jordan. And we're like, yep. Good job. So I had a lot of fun with dungeon crawl classics. Um, Again, that's a, a system and a game that I really enjoy that I don't get to play enough of. Um, and then with Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I have to get my players from level five to level seven. And there isn't a clear path in the module of how to do that, which I was frustrated with. But the more I read Ghosts of Saltmarsh, I'm like, that's brilliant because it forced me to use all of these side quests in the back of the book and to create some quests of my own in the front of the book because uh like we've mentioned before with ghosts of salt marsh the whole like first third of the salt marsh book is just information on salt marsh and the surrounding areas and they're like here's npcs that live here and here's this and this and this and you can take all of those and craft a really cool side quest story or somehow work it into the main story so that's what i'm trying to do um and i've got like a whole slew of adventures for my party to go on um, they've picked up on one, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna follow that. And I think I'm gonna have a breadcrumb trail, and they're gonna follow and and kind of complete all of the different missions that I want them to to finish. But uh, really fun as a dungeon master, I've had a lot of fun crafting and and doing all of that. So it's been really cool. So again, mm -hmm. um, loving Ghosts of Saltmarsh. I play Acquisitions Incorporated today. Uh, we're gonna explore a lighthouse. Um, that's been so much fun. I just love the like humor of the entire module. It's been really good. So that was me really quickly talking about all my games. Nice. You've got seven minutes, Lucian. What do you want to talk about? Yay. So, <laughs> yep. My gaming was, um, so Monday night was Seeking Revenor, my West Marches campaign. And they had just gotten back to town. We had a player that's going to be out. So we needed something that was kind of like a one session 
item, not, hey, let's tackle the next big campaign-wide story arc thing. Um, so I dug up some uh, Venom trolls to throw at the players, and that was really fun to throw at, against my party um, because my party is a very melee-heavy group. They like to run in and beat on things, and with the Venom Trolls' ability to damage anything that's five feet around them when they take damage. So for every time somebody hits them, there's 2d8 poison damage five feet around them as it's, as the blood sprays out and infects nice. everybody. And I was just like, oh, this is so good. And they were really worried about it. I knew that they could get through it because it was just basically them doing their alpha strike of, you know, they, they had a rest, they had all their abilities, they could do all their stuff. Um, but it was fun to send something at them that they weren't quite ready to, to understand. And it was regenerating and they were having to deal with that. And so it was pretty fun. Um, this coming up Monday should be fun. We're going to have a guest show up. We're going to have um, the return of Drubrin. I think in the episode, so Danimal, who runs our game on Wednesday nights as our GM, is going to come back and reprise his Loxodon role, who's played in the Revenar area, and we're going to do that um, because we have a player out again, so that'll be pretty fun. It's great to be in this lull, and I can't wait to see where we go once all the players are back and they decide what to do. We did get to do what I liked about the episode was I was able to lean into some real RP moments for this group and normally i'm a very much combat dungeon delving session right. type of campaign that we're running so it's a lot of combat oriented stuff but this week was a lot of rp stuff because they were in their downtime so we did some downtime stuff we talked about the keep that they've just um acquired and are rebuilding so what i put in there is i had the person who's the shadow lane of the of the place that runs it for them when they're not there has like, hey, it's great that you're back. We have dinner for you. Um, over the since you guys have been gone for a couple of weeks, we do have some people that are here to petition you. So mm -hmm. when would you like to talk to the petitioners? And they were kind of like, what? What? We're you know they're just adventurers. Like I guess tomorrow morning would be fine. So then we bring in the petitioners, and I brought in some farmers that wanted land, and they were trying to discuss if they could have some land around the thing. And then we had um, a scuffle that they had to decide who was right or who was wrong. You know, and then like there was a drunken and disorderly and they had to decide what to do with that person and just give them the really mundane things that would happen for owning a keep or being yeah. a, a lord of a keep type thing and to let them sink into that, put in a few more things that are background stories stuff, let some characters interact with each other and then just do a nice little combat that they could do towards the end that was fun. So a real nice session that kind of had a lot of good mix to it. So of all the sessions that you might watch in the last few, this last one was really good to, mm. to watch the players um, go about it. And it felt really fun. So it's good to have those in there and do that stuff. Uh, we did do Wednesday night. Everybody rescheduled for Wednesday night. So we didn't get to play two Annihilation. I love my character Vanguard. I, I can't wait to play him some more. Um, so we have not been annihilated in the tomb quite yet, though the Dungeon Master is doing all that he can to do that. Um, so maybe next week we'll get to see what happens. Um, Thursday night, we were going to do a test, but again, because we had players doing, there's a lot of people that are out right now, and I think it's because we're getting close to some of the holidays that are coming up. There's a lot more people traveling and doing things at the moment, so it was hard for schedules, so we didn't do any of the testing that I wanted to do, but I did have a good Dungeon Master um, discussion with where is it listed in the rules on how to run a monster's stat block. Um, and specifically when you're looking at a stat block and it says something, let me give you an example of creature has multi-attack and then it'll say something like creature can swing its sword twice, or it can do, um, like a poison, it can breath. throw two javelins, oh, okay. right? So it can do two swords or it can do two javelins, right? And that's pretty basic. You'd find that in a, a CR one, two or three character and it can do that, or it could do any of the other normal actions that you could think of. Then you might get characters that are like, okay, they have multi-attack, so they can do a claw and a bite, maybe. And so they'll have a claw stat and they'll have a bite stat. But then it might say they also have a tail lash mm -hmm. or something as a special ability. And it recharges on a D5 through 6. So the idea is, and I've always played it, that you can do one or the other. You mm -hmm. can't do both in the same turn. It kind of makes sense in the lower CRs. But when you look at something that's like a CR 9 or 10, and all of a sudden it says they can multi-attack and they can hit once with their axe and once with their mace, or they can do this breath weapon, or they can hurl rocks, 
or they can cast spells, but they can only do one of those things. And now we're talking about a CR nine or 10. It seems like that creature doesn't have the action economy that the people they're fighting have. Correct. So if it's a CR 10, why doesn't it have the action economy of that? Because it needs minions to help create a balanced encounter. <laughs> but it's a it's a loner creature. Or says... or or some creatures do. So I I yeah, yeah. sent my my players. Uh, I didn't talk about this, but my Shadowfell game. I sent my players a Deathghast, which is like a, a no death death tyrant, which is an undead beholder, and mm. he had, I think it was four, or five legendary actions of after somebody goes he can do an eye ray and so he mm -hmm. did have enough action economy that one monster had enough action economy to keep them busy mm -hmm. but you're right like you you all of a sudden you're just like oh i'm gonna stop my players with this cr14 creature and they just like tear through it like tissue paper well yeah they've got probably like 12 to 15 actions if you encounter like a, a warrior that's got three attacks and things like that a fighter that uh yeah you have to incorporate things like lair actions and legendary actions if you really want that solo monster to do stuff yeah um, and so yeah. the point that i had come up with is why didn't they realize that i don't know why yeah why wouldn't like something like a storm giant or an etten be the equivalent because in CR rating, it's the equivalent of a seventh level party. That one creature should be the equivalent to take on a seventh level party. But it really, in reality, it's not because it gets two attacks or it gets one special attack. Well, we've and had then it's six done. years of playing no, D&D to figure yeah. out that they might have made a mistake. Like, <laughs> right, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like we've been <laughs> we've been hashing this out for how long? But like when it yeah. first came out, it probably seemed really balanced, you know? And against yeah. your players that are very crunchy and know how to take out monsters and know how to go for this and going for the highest damage, like, yeah. But mm -hmm. I think I think... It, it might be an oversight, but I think as a dungeon master, you just need to look at action economy over hit points and how hard a monster can hit. And so yeah. if or, you're like, I'm going to put this creature, um, I'm going to put this creature and uh, I want to do uh, X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, like uh, I'm going to give him like six goblins to just not soak up damage, but to make sure that they can't just go after the big guy, you know? Right. So. But then that creature is really not a CR seven. You're saying it's a CR five. Then if you've got to put more creatures with it, correct. To make it or, rare, rare, or just rare. if I you're want fixing to make the a, problem, if yeah, I get if I want it. To make I, a, I know yeah. how to fix the problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I get, I get the, I, I, my, I think what I was going for is if they just had changed the special things to be bonus actions for the creature, cause you right. see very few, bonus actions on a monster stat Correct. that creature becomes very different all of a sudden if it can do all the things it does just like a character can almost do all the things they do that thing then feels strong right it feels like it's there and i've done all those things to try to make them you know feel like i want this thing i'll give it a legendary action i'll give it um and even matt colville his video he did this week yeah, if you caught it was talking about how to make the creatures better how to make an end boss be an end boss how to have the fight be a story not just an obstacle which mm -hmm. i thought was that's what really drove me to start thinking about it and it made me go back and say where in the world does it even say when you're supposed to do this and actually to answer that question it's in the monster manual in the beginning and i encourage you to go back to it because there's some things in there that you may have overlooked at the very beginning of the monster manual where it talks about reactions what the creature gets or doesn't get and how it works with grappling, um, how it's different than the player grappling rule is. So I encourage you to go back and read a little bit of that because I think most of us skip by that and just assume we know how to run the stat block and maybe have never really read that. I've always used the monster manual as, I'm just going to look a creature up, write it down, and I'm good. I've not read it as a book until this, this week, I finally went back and I was like, oh, maybe I should read this part and see what's going on because maybe I missed something. Yeah. Maybe they could do these different things. And so it was a good discussion. It's a good way to think about how to run because I want, as a dungeon master, and I think as you, I know we're going a little late, but we want our encounters to be challenging. I don't want to kill them and I don't want it to be too easy 
I want it to be challenging so they remember it because if it's not challenging, they're never going to re- it's never going to be a memory that pops into their head. Yeah. So I want it to be challenging. If it falls flat, then I've failed. Then we've just done something nobody's going to remember. And, and that I'm trying not to do as much as I can. So yeah. I think that's where that comes from. But I think it's good. It's good discussion. And I know a lot of people in chat had a lot of good suggestions too. But um, and watch that Coville video if you're looking for some ideas because yeah. he he comes at it with um, reactions bonus actions, legendary actions, uh, all kinds of cool stuff to make just a goblin chief seem badass. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was kind of cool. So yeah. that's all I had. Oh, I am going to play today over at LB's house. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. That's happening in about an hour. So I'm going to head over there pretty quick. I'll play that and I'll talk about it next week, I'm sure. That sounds awesome. All right. Lots of Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we will see you guys next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I want to thank everybody for coming out and for catching Yay. us live Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific over here on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, really, really nice to have you guys out here. Thanks so much. Uh, we will see you next week. So take care, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.